All right, all right, all right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. I want to thank you all for taking the time today to listen to this show, taking the time out of your daily busy life to listen to my voice and whoever I choose to have on this show. Got some exciting news today. We have officially launched our Up Before You coffee line. I know, exciting. We have launched our first line, our first roast, I should say, which is a light roast, and we will be continuing to add to that line as we go. I want to let you guys know you can find that on upbeforeyou.com. Click on the coffee tab. It's right there. It's ready for you. I ask that if you guys do try it out, if you order it, one, thank you for doing so, but two, give me your honest feedback. You know where to find me, Instagram. Some of you might have my phone number. Go ahead and give me a text call. But yeah, just let me know what you think. I'm always down for the feedback. I love the feedback, good or bad, as you know with this show. And so yeah, give it a shot and let me know what you think. Also want to remind you guys, please to go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, a five-star rating and a review if you feel so inclined to, if you have been a long-time listener. If not, don't worry about it. Feel it out. Listen to me. Listen to the guests. See what you think and make the decision for yourself. If you do like the show, you go ahead and share us on social media. We are very active on Instagram. We are active on Facebook. We are kind of active on Twitter, but you can find all of those as up before you won, at up before you won. So if you guys feel so inclined to do that, the feedback, the support, everything, guys, means a lot to me. It's like a family to me. A lot of you have been listening since the beginning. You've seen how we've changed and grown over the years. So thanks a lot for all the support, guys. All right. My guest today is Kelly Meckert. Kelly is a third grade teacher who absolutely loves what she does. Outside of teaching, you can find her playing around with new recipes in the kitchen, exploring outdoors, or coaching CrossFit. Kelly started doing CrossFit during her senior year of high school in 2013 when her friend Lisa convinced her that it would be a good way to stay in shape between swimming and water polo season. And it worked. It improved Kelly's fitness so much that she couldn't stop. She eventually got into CrossFit coaching after being approached by the owners of CrossFit Barrington as they were interested in hiring a female coach. That motivated Kelly to go out and get her L1, and she is so happy that she did. Kelly is into her third year as a coach, and she loves being a part of the CrossFit community. It has had a huge impact on her personal overall fitness, and it makes her so happy that she is able to share with and help others do the same. And now, enough talking about Kelly. Let's hear it all straight from her. What's up, Kelly? Hey, Connor. How's it going? It's going pretty okay. <laughs> pretty okay. Why? Just okay. I mean, we're living in pretty... I'm a teacher. Let's start with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone always asks me how I am, and I say, fine. I think that's the only yeah. adjective I can really use to describe like this school year. So what are you doing right now? Are you in person at all? Uh, cr- we have been e-learning since August, since the beginning of the school year. Uh, we had a quick little week and a half of hybrid when we were really hopeful but then in um, Lake County they just announced they recommended us to go back to e-learning due to rising numbers so a week and a half later we were back in our e-learning setting. Was that for all like high school, middle school, elementary school? Across all ages so we all have different hybrid plans they all looked a little bit different um, but it was pretty much trying to cut capacity in half so a students and B students, A days and B days, and across all levels, and then it had to go back to e-learning, or we had to go back to e-learning. Yeah, I saw some picture from the high school of people like at lunch. They it was looked really depressing. Like it was like one person at a little table. 
Like, yeah, that, that was one. They, you know, one of the mitigations for that was to spread out grade levels where they had lunch, and also you had to eat with six feet. Or I, I don't know what exactly what it was at the high school. At the elementary level, they went home before lunch, so we didn't have to deal with any of that. Um, but I, I did hear that about the high school. Where does six feet come from? <laughs> I mean, the CDC. I don't want to. I don't want to misspeak, but I, I believe it's just like. <laughs> The, the average spew of it, like a sneeze or a oh, cough, right, okay. is like yeah, about six feet. I was feet. like, why is six feet? It's such a random number. <laughs> yeah, I think that it has to do with how fast. Why not five feet or seven or yeah. eight or ten? I mean, just keep your distance, right? Well, depending on the person, they could be like, say, ten feet away from me. We're know? about six feet, right? Yeah, this, this table is exactly six feet for everyone listening. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> measured out, except when you have your elbows on the table, you're uh, too close to me. Let me sit straight up. <laughs> so, how... So, when you first, when this first kind of happened, you were in the middle of a school year. So what was that like? March 13th. <laughs> yeah, like the middle of the second semester. The craziest, much. like, day, I rem- our principal was just like, this is this is going to last longer than we th- all think it is. And we packed up our kids on a Friday, and we were told two weeks after spring break, we would hopefully get to be back in the classroom, and we haven't been back really since. So that was insane, and... You know, as a teacher, there was a feeling of feeling unprepared. You know, yeah. our job com- completely shifted uh, without any warning. And so Friday, we sent them home with their iPads and some of their things, not even all their things. And on Monday, we were expected to flip the format of how we've been teaching. You know, so it was a, the learning curve for all of us was extremely steep. I was like, figure it out. And you, it was kind of like up to you to figure it out. Yeah, we were given our um, a few standards. Um, so Pritzer declared those um, um, act of God days. So they definitely were a little less rigorous. The standards, we had to administer three lessons a day, and we could choose what those lessons were. Obviously, we stuck with, like, math and literacy content. So we kind of um, put science and social studies on hold, and we had to kind of figure out what we were going to do teaching live, what apps we could use, but we really were unfamiliar with lots of the apps that we could use to create the curriculum. It was all new, so it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and how, like, uh, initially, how do you think you reacted to it, and how do you think you handled it? I think I was really excited at first, being a younger teacher. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, this is something I'm going to be, like, I'm up for the challenge. Um, but is ex- is, there was that excitement, but then... As I started looking and trying to create, I, I, I just kept getting that feeling that nothing I what I, nothing that I was doing was actually like reaching my kids, and I wasn't there to see them completing the work, yeah. and I wasn't like <laughs> able to give the feedback I needed. So, you know, uh, that excitement slowly turned into like doom and dread, <laughs> and doom like and dread. <laughs> like just make it to May, just make it to May, and like next school year we'll be back in the classroom. Is, was that the was that the thought? That was that's honestly what was getting me through it. I was like, do my best to produce what I can, meet with my kids when I can. But the thing is, when it was so new, you know, that those three and a half hours of curriculum that I pushed out every day, you look at it, it probably looks like nothing. But it took me like ten hours <laughs> to create every night. My teammate and I, my third grade teammate, would be up texting each other at like eleven p.m. Like, yeah. okay, it's posted, it's ready to go, and like we're sharing as much as we can. But man. <laughs> I do not want to repeat 
those three months ever. <laughs> so when you went into the summer, did you think you thought that you were going to be back in the fall 100%? Me? Like, I, I think there was probably some teachers out there that were skeptical, but not me. I was like, we are back in the classroom in fall. Like, I was 100% sure because the numbers were looking okay in the summer, especially. So I like felt like I had that to back it up. And then I was like, by then we'll be more prepared. And so e-learning to me was done in May. <laughs> now, do you go into school still? That was the biggest change of this year is that um, because we can keep ourselves distant, because we can um, avoid other people, we wear masks anytime we're in common places, but when we're in our we get to go to our classroom, that's our space, and it makes all the difference because I have my overhead projector type, you know, ever, all the technology I need. I have all my resources. So, and I'm not sit, sitting at home all day, which is a big, like, yeah mind game there you know yeah for sure because like if you just sat at home all day you'd be like you did never went anywhere or did anything you know you're isolated it definitely takes a toll on your mental health yeah <laughs> like you know like i would sign up i'd sign off with my kids and then i'd just be alone i live alone so yeah <laughs> <You're> alone <laughs> uh so that that um was a little depressing yeah but. the worst i think is and i think this is a lot of people like who like either the dad or the mom's working at home and the other one's like kind of with the kids and doing stuff but the, the kids are in school so like everybody's at home at once and that's that's the, the, when i go over to my parents house or i was at my parents house for the first bit of it you know my dad was working from home so he claimed the basement my sister worked from home for a month so she claimed the upstairs i was in the dining room so yeah and the same thing goes for our students currently you know, when they unmute themselves, you can hear whisperings of other people in yeah. the background, sometimes the cleaning ladies in the house, you know, <laughs> like the pets are there. Yeah. It's just it's 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 madness sometimes. Yeah. And, and But you have to have grace upon grace upon grace. Like, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And how do you even like keep the kids under control? Because you can't you, you can yell all you want across the screen. The mute button the is mute the most button. amazing really? thing in the world <laughs> so you can just mute the kids you, just, you know when they interrupt and or you know trail on yeah they might not realize it at first <laughs> you cut them off like that <laughs> just, huh? so it's it's it, that's a blessing right there <laughs> i think that's the funniest part is that you cut them off I, well, yeah, you have to because, you know, you want to get through a 15-minute mini lesson so they can independent practice, and you just, yeah. The, the second you get the wrong answer, nope, mute, next. <laughs> no. Who's gotten the next one? Not for wrong answers. Just, you know, they're they're excited to see you. They're excited to talk to you, and things that you say sometimes remind them of something that happened to them that's totally you're like, unrelated. You're like, just log off. You're done for the day. Yeah. <laughs> get so, out of my class. Yeah. They, oh, gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, that's that's kind of. And, and other things too. We try to. I try to make it fun, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to because you're like got little kids. You got to like, keep them engaged somehow. Yeah, it's like a Broadway production every single day. <laughs> I have puppets. I have different, really? uh, different voices. Yeah, we do brain. What kind breaks. of voices do you do? Oh gosh, you know, I really, really messed up at the beginning of the year because I chose voices that strain my voice oh. so much. And so whenever they ask for the puppet at this point, I'm like, oh, please no. They're all really high. Yeah. You know, like. Class, you know things like that, um, and so talking that much with it. Uh, but we have we have three puppets. Yeah, and they love them. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. I would that would keep me engaged. It, never in my life did I think I'd be a teacher who used puppets yeah. until this year. Until and this it, year. They 
genuinely prefer learning from them, you know, versus me sometimes. Yeah. I mean, this time you just got to pull out all the tricks, yeah, I guess. All the tricks. Whatever works. So. So your mom was a teacher. Now you're a teacher. Did your mom have any influence on you becoming a teacher? Definitely. Um, you know, back when my mom was a teacher when I was younger, that was like when they still had the red grade books with the green grid paper inside. And anytime she would switch quarters or semesters, she would open or get a new one from school. So I was always taking those creating my own classes like fake names fake grades like a f <laughs> you know like a, and yeah. started going into her classroom uh, and then I got to high school and I honestly I felt like there was a negative stigmatism about teachers like those who um what those who can do and those who can't teach like that yeah I, I've heard that and it it like and it's kind of dumb it, right but like <laughs> yeah those those words impact you and then I I, I was a I was my friend group was a extremely smart group of kiddos uh sorry I talk like a third grade teacher sometimes too (laughs) and so I was like I definitely felt a little like self-conscious about wanting to be a teacher and so I for a while I was like I'm gonna be a lawyer I'm gonna be an aerospace engineer I went into college general studies and then I I was like who am I kidding (laughs) I'm I'm a born teacher I've always loved kids and yeah you just kind of you have to do something you love yeah why do you think people say that like those that can do, those that can't teach. Why does that, where, like, where do you think that comes from? I would have to say that part of it has to do with that they haven't been touched by a teacher, which is really sad to say, but like that, um, like when you have a teacher that it's that impactful in your life, like you understand that they put their blood, sweat, and tears, you know, you become one of their kids, uh, essentially. And so I, I feel like that has to be one reason that they, they just didn't have that experience uh, with a teacher, which is really sad because there are teachers out there who probably, um, you know, they're not all amazing. I'd like to see. I, 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 they're definitely not all amazing. <laughs> right? Like, I, I was a teacher, too. There was teachers I loved going to and teachers I didn't love going to. So I, I can see where it comes from. Uh, but the teachers I work with um, are excellent. And the amount of work they're putting in, like I walked by Huff last night at 9 p.m. and I saw classroom lights on so I popped in and sure enough there's a teacher getting work done yeah. at 9 p.m. on a Sunday like that's just the life we signed up for and it comes with its criticism but at the end of the day we want to do what's best for our students yeah because I just don't understand because I feel like especially like college professors you have a lot that like did what they're teaching or they're currently doing what they're teaching you know mm-hmm. so I feel like you do things and then you teach from your experiences you know I feel like it's not because you can't definitely at that level too I remember my um, living law teacher in high yeah, school. Yeah, and they're usually better teachers. Uh, no offense, sorry. <laughs> no. I just mean like, usually like if if I'm taking like an engineering class, it's way better if it's someone who's like actually been out there and done it versus someone who just went in to be an engineering teacher. Yeah, they're they're extremely passionate about what they do. My like same thing. My living law teacher sophomore year, like when I said I wanted to be a lawyer, it was because of her. Like, yeah. She had been mm-hmm. a lawyer in her previous career and decided she wanted to teach. It's it's passing on her passion and. I mean, I, I know I teach all subject areas, so mm. it's like a little bit different, but I remember starting my work. I started off at Roslyn Road, and I would go home, and I'd be like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> like, because I, I would yeah. come home every day having so much fun, loving my job, and it's a little different right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm definitely being tested. We all yeah. are, mm-hmm. um, but it's temporary, and that's what you have to keep telling yourself. 
Yeah, but yeah, I, like going back to the college professors, I just think that yeah, like when you have people like like a lawyer, because when I took the law class in college too, like the guy was a former lawyer, so he had like experiences and stuff that he could like draw back on and teach you about like real life examples. You know, mm-hmm. not to say that you can't be a great teacher if you haven't done what you're teaching, but I feel like especially at that level, it just gives you something else to draw from and like give people more perspective in real life. And you learn situations. from stories, you know. Yeah, you, exactly. Those stories, especially in a profession like law those encounters they had in court are things mm-hmm. that you can then learn from, you know, it might be yeah. different for a engineering like math class. Right. But maybe seeing the practicality of it and them able to show you like, well, this is how I use this in the field, you know, helps keep you motiv- motivated. Yeah. So why did you want, is this the grade you want to be teaching right now? Absolutely. Really? Why is that? <laughs> you know, every teacher you ask will say that their grade is the best. <laughs> it's just like a habit. I was in fourth grade for two years, and I just felt like they were getting a little old for me by the end of the year. You know, they started to have that, like, um, girl-boy drama. You know, yeah. boys have cooties, like yeah. all that craziness. Um, and and then they also start testing you a little bit because they're about to be the hot shots, the fifth graders of the school. So, it's true. you know, like – that's the end of fourth grade and then third grade is just this magical grade one it has my favorite curriculum the things we learn are so fun um in science and social studies and then math is also it's challenging but we all get through it and then they've learned to read though that's like a big thing like teaching a kid to read requires so much patience and so much skill and not that i don't have it but like I, I appreciate them coming to me having the that knowledge, that background knowledge, um, but they still really respect you and they like look up to you. Like they think you're the bee's knees. <laughs> like I can do anything in my classroom and they think I'm the coolest, which is like a good feeling. <laughs> do they still do? I remember uh, this might have been like fifth grade, but you would like they take you into the middle. You know, remember like, you know, the middle rooms, like in between the classrooms. Pop doesn't have those, but yes. Those right, Rosalind. Yeah. T- yeah. And you'd like sit down and you have a minute and you just have to read as far as you could. Running records yeah. or like different like, like a reading monitoring. test. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was the dumbest thing. Like it was like teaching is like how fast could I read this thing? It's a fluency strategy. But yes, I mean, they, we don't do it with every student, but there are kids who get those fluency passages done where we're like, OK, and then you mark and then we figure it out. It, it They're actually very accurate. <laughs> really? Like yeah. what is it? What is it testing? Uh you know, it's testing. Anytime you read a word incorrectly, we mark it. And yeah. then we also look at how many words per minute you're reading. Um, and it, it, and the, lev- the texts are leveled as well. So if you're able to read above 100 words per minute at certain level, at certain leveled text, that means like that's a good level for you. But if you're reading a lot slower, that means you really should be in a lower leveled book. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. And they never told you how you did. <laughs> You know, they did, but in a in a in a way that you didn't realize it. You know, when they recommended books, that was their way of telling you how you did because those were the books that fit into that level. You know, <laughs> like oh, we think these would be really good choices for you. Whoa, okay. <laughs> so that was their way of saying you're dumb. No, not at all. Just making sure that the the books you were reading allowed you to, to do the comprehension work that is so important when reading. Well, it's like they probably gave me Calvin and Hobbes, and then <laughs> everybody else got Harry Potter. Uh, I'm sure that's how you viewed it, right? I, unfortunately, kids do pick up on that in the classroom, which is like yeah. devastating. I never did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they do pick up on that level, like oh, like they can see Susie reading this book, and they're like, my book looks shorter, or my words are bigger, or I still have pictures in mine, and 
you know, we try to teach right now so much, like, that it's, we're all on our different, like, adventures of learning, and we're all at different places, yeah. and you just have to kind of accept where you are and, like, work as hard as you can to be your best. <laughs> so, like, now that you're teaching these kids, do you remember being, like, the, that age, obviously, at some 100%. point? One hundred percent. I feel like I can still relate to them in so many yeah. ways, like, the facial expressions they make for certain tasks. <laughs> I'm like, guys, I feel you, but we're going to get yeah. through this. Like, I remember having to do this. Um, and I think, I don't know if I'll ever lose that, but like, I feel like just as you get further and further and further away from being a student, you do lose like some of those memories and things. But right now I feel like sometimes I can like get right on the same page with my kids and I think they appreciate it. Well, do you remember like in fifth grade and then like going to sixth grade and like eighth grade, just how like big you felt? Oh, you mean how big you felt in fifth grade and then how little you felt in sixth grade? Yeah, or just like how, like, at the in the moment, like, me as a fifth grader felt like, like you were, like, a big person. And then you look back and you see, like, fifth graders and you're like, wow, like, I was I was four feet you tall. You were so small. I think I see it most when, like, I deal with drama. Yeah. And I'm like, if you only realized how small <laughs> this was in the scheme of life. Yeah. Like, for instance, lots of competitiveness in gym class yeah. i don't know if you remember leaving gym like after a basketball Just, game and they're like fueled i'm yeah. like hey nba playoffs <laughs> college basketball 30 piles of yeah. everything else and then yeah fourth, but, third grade gym class but nobody cared everybody was yeah nobody yeah. cares about that though it's the most important thing in the most world most important thing in the world but yeah I always, I always think back and even like looking at like high school kids i'm like wow when i was that age i thought i was like so like you thought you were so big so big well and i look back i think the biggest difference because i work with elementary kids is when i look back at high schoolers and i'm like yeah. you're all so small <laughs> you're like yeah. i see them walking i'm like you're a freshman <laughs> or like crossfit exactly. teens i'm like you're in high school yeah <laughs> is that what i looked like yeah and not even like feeling like physically i don't even know like physically big yeah but just just like a on top of the big world. and important and on top of the world <laughs> I, I mean, for like four years after high school, I was like, I peaked in high school. Like, <laughs> senior year was great. You know, you they make you feel like you're like you rule the universe. Yeah. So. And then you leave and nobody cares. No, but you're in a school. I went to U of I, a school of what fifty thousand people. Yeah, and then yeah, or then you and then you come back to high school and like cool, dude. Like you were one of four thousand people that came through in that class. Yeah. Like Nobody really exactly. cares. Yeah, but my my name's still on the wall yeah. somewhere. You know, you go to find it. I'm there. <laughs> That's kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I came back to the town I grew up in, too, though. So, yeah. you know, there's that full circle aspect as well. You now, know, do you like that or no? Yeah, you know, they always made us, like, write letters to ourselves. Do you remember Snowflake? Yeah. And then they were like, we're going to send these letters to you when you yeah, graduate. Yeah, and got it. And, like, and I said, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what cool thing I'm going to say to myself. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they also we also did that senior year, and they gave it to you after you graduate college. Yeah, and they have you do it a lot, but the question they ask always ask you is, where do you see yourself in five years, mm. and where do you see yourself in ten years? And um, on every single one, is, one was, I'm going to be back in Barrington teaching. And so to then see that I was able to, to come through with that, um, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I love Barrington's community. I think it's why I want to be here i'd love to raise my family here so uh i love getting involved and knowing my neighbors like i love living on the street so i'm happy like yeah <laughs> uh, i went back i coach at the high school 
as well. So like I'm there a lot. Um, you coach at the high school? I coach water polo. Well, oh. right, not right now, but I for the past since I student taught in Schaumburg. Uh, this is my fifth year helping with the program. Um, so yeah. Do you remember the letter you wrote to yourself, or that they gave you from senior year? You know, I remember receiving it in the mail, and it was addressed by me. So yeah. I'm like, this handwriting looks just like mine. <laughs> then you yeah, open it, it yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you're excited because you got snail mail. Yeah. Now I get it all the time. It's just bills, so it's not as fun, <laughs> you know. Um, and I was like, ugh. I'm, I'm, my mom keeps those things. They're in a file cabinet at my parents' house, so I'm sure I can go back and read it. Yeah, mine was like ridiculous. Uh, well, the one thing I remember is go. It was like go check on this one friend. Not gonna say his name, Blake. <laughs> make, cough, cough, wink, make sure he's not dead. Oh gosh! <laughs> I was like, what? Why? I I, 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 I thought I was cool. I'd be like, oh, this is me from yeah. the past. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't very cool when I read it. Yeah. Well, it was. It was funny, but I was like, you were. You're no, just an I, idiot. you had no idea. <laughs> like, you're so sheltered. You know, nothing's going on. <laughs> So switching gears, how and when did you find CrossFit? So I started CrossFit my senior year of high school. You did? I did. Um, no, right around November. I, I remember it was right after swim season. And my mom was like, you need to do something to stay in shape for water polo. Um, and yeah, CrossFit was what Lisa Danhauer, she's um, yeah. Yeah, a relative of the owner. She was like, let's try it. I do it in his gym. And man, oh, man, I remember trying to walk up the stairs by the wrestling, <laughs> the gym, like after my first yeah. class. Those are huge stairs. There's like three flights in a row. And I was like sideways. Um, so, yeah, it was how many years ago? Four, eight, nine, nine years. You eight, went four, eight. eight, nine. I'm counting by like my four years of teaching, my four uh, years of college. There was a method. You've been a teacher for four years? Yeah. Jeez. Four, so nine years ago. Nine, yeah, eight or nine years ago. That's crazy. The gym had to be pretty new then. It, it was. They had just done the expansion, so I, I never saw it prior to the wall being torn down. Um, at least I was told there was a wall there. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm just... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started then, and we worked out all through, like, the winter, and I, I will say I, I had never I've swam and played water polo my whole life. So like land activities and land workouts yeah. were something I never did. And my senior year's water polo season was transformed because of CrossFit. Like, yeah, uh, really? I was so much stronger across everything when it came to grappling, grappling, like wrestling in the water, you know, positioning yeah, in the yeah. water um, shots on goal. I, I ended up earning like the the penalty shot spot as well just because of how fat, you know strong my shots became and it was all because of crossfit i was a little chunky too like my beginning of senior year and so like yeah. you look at like beginning of senior year to end of the senior year and oh my goodness really <laughs> like a huge yeah. difference what were you doing before that then well i would swim um but i've been swimming since i was five and so i, I can hop in a pool right now and swim 2,500 yards and feel fine at the end. Like I can just do it. And so like I, I just got in the pool and went through the motions. You know, I wasn't really, I'd really lost a lot of motivation by then because it was senior year. I was more in it for like the community and the fun and like the fact that I'd been with those girls since I was five. So the workouts, I would still be working out swimming four and a half, five hours a day. I'd have an hour and a half practice in the morning, two and a half hours in the afternoon. So I was swimming 
a lot. Um, but once it stopped, I wasn't going to go back to club because it was my last, like I was a senior. I kind of, I was done. <laughs> I was yeah. not going into college um, swimming. So that th- that I just needed some an outlet or a way to stay in shape for water polo. That was it. So when you first started, did you like it right away or did it take some time? I loved the competitive aspect of it. Uh, I grew up closer to my two younger brothers uh, and we were always competing just about uh, – not even about athletics, but just about things. So immediately I, I fell in love with that. And then, I don't know, when you're naturally okay at something, you kind of like like it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. so I, I came in as a strong rower. Like that was, that's not something that I've gained over. I've gotten better, but it's not something I've necessarily, it's not new to me. Um, I came in strong with the weights and moving well. Gymnastics, let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> completely new to me so so that also motivated me a little bit and I was going with a friend um Lisa and Brian coach Brian was awesome too so I just enjoyed it yeah Yeah. I loved it and the fact that there was always like like you said there are things you're good at things you're bad at but the fact there was always things to work on and things to improve on did that keep you coming back for more yeah like I wanted to get my double unders I had never done double unders before in my life you know handstands were just a fun thing to do but you saw yourself getting better kipping pull-ups like I couldn't do any and then by the end of my senior year I, I felt really good like so those things drove me to keep going and and then once water polo season started it was like do I stop doing CrossFit yeah and just do water polo like what do I do here and water polo was only in the afternoon I ended up going to 5 a.m.s And this might come as a surprise, you know, I mean, this is called the up before you podcast, but (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm not up before you usually. (laughs) So 5 a.m. I would work out at 5 and 6, do the 5 a.m. class, go straight to school. And then I would stay at school for three hours for practice afterwards for water polo uh, because I loved it so much. And I I saw how much it was impacting my water polo. It was amazing. Yeah. Really? You saw that big of an impact? I mean, I did. My coaches did. Like, it, it, I I did club water polo, too, through the winter, so I just had focused a lot more. And had that been my junior year, I am positive I would have played not just – like, I played club, but I would have played in college. I'm positive. Really? Yeah. It had, so it, it transferred that much. Like, over I'm, I was all, all sectional, all state. Yeah. Like, like I was uh, I was happy with it, and I loved it. And I loved playing water polo, especially having swum my, swam my entire life. Because it was like... Swum, a, swam, swam, same swam, thing. Swim, swam, swam. <laughs> um, because that was such an independent sport. Mm-hmm. Like, you do your own thing. Yeah. Uh, and water polo was like a team sport, and I liked that. Now, do you still swim at all? Yeah, so, I mean, right now it's a little bit different because of COVID, but uh, there's a master's swim club um, for adults at the high school, and because I'm a teacher in the district, I'm able to join it Yeah. pro bono. Because I, like, I remember we used to swim a lot like at the rec center in college just to like train and stuff, but it's hard. But I've noticed that people, like I had friends who would come who did it in high school, like hadn't worked out in years, and they, you could get in the pool and they just... You can Smoke just, you. you can always do it. You're, you know, it's, well, it's that 10,000 hours theory, right? Yeah, yeah. You're watching uh, phase one of the games, the handstand contest, yeah. right? And all those girls who at the top times grew up doing gymnastics. They yeah. have that experience. It's just that mm-hmm. natural ability because of all those hours. Same thing goes for swimming. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, that's like what the, one of the things I just know. It's like people just, 
you can well, kind of always do it. And, and I, I feel like with, with a lot of people who try to swim, who didn't grow up swimming and who are crossfitters, have lots of muscle, they feel like they're sinking all the time. You know, <laughs> like they just feel like, and that's because muscle sinks. Yeah. And so they, they haven't learned how to position their body correctly. And I don't even know how to teach that because. Yeah. So I'm happy. That. It does feel like you're sinking and it feels like you're like just holding yourself back. You're yeah. just like working against yourself, making it way harder. Mm-hmm. Which I probably am when I swim. I mean, there could be some things that you could do better, but I, I don't experience that. Like, I know I can jump in any water and float. Yeah. For, for forever. Like, I yeah. So then when did you get into coaching, and why did you want to get into coaching? Uh, well, after having played club water polo in um, college, coming back to Barrington, mm-hmm. I – I loved water polo and water polo unfortunately isn't a sport that you can just pick up and play. You know, you need a lot of, yeah, you need, you need a pool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when I first, and re- people who want to play, yeah, you need people too. I don't, I don't know anybody too. besides you who yes. wants to play. So, you know, we, yeah. I, or knows how to play or knows how to play. So it, it came down to me wondering how I was going to continue to play water polo. And, um, I, first reached out to the high school and said I'd love to just kind of be there as someone who can run clinics and just get in the water with the girls and teach them um, actual skills about water polo because the coaches coach from the pool deck and there's a lot you can teach someone from being in the pool with them. So that was my first season. I I went to as many practices as possible um, just so that I can get in the water with them. And I was doing it for myself as well. Like Mm -hmm. I had fun with those girls. I got to swim with them. um, And and then I just kept coming back. And I honestly, I actually don't go to the games uh, because I prefer, like, I don't really pay attention as much to the coaching aspect of the play, but more so the technique and things like that. So I go to every practice usually. Um, and mm-hmm. then I can run stations with the girls who need specific work. So I do specific position um, gotcha. work. So we'll work with whole yeah. defense, whole offense, which – my water pole people out there, you know. <laughs> so sorry, when I said coaching, I meant CrossFit coaching. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I guess we got both. We'll get both of those stories now. Yeah, or you can just cut out that list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, CrossFit coaching. Yeah, uh, Coach Craig and Coach Chris um, approached me a little over two years ago and a- asking if I'd be interested in coaching. And I, I think it was for one of two reasons. Uh the first one, let's just throw it out there. I, w- I am a female. <laughs> and so they really wanted to have a female presence on the coaching staff, which I 100% agree with and support. And I can see how having a female already has impacted some um, teens that are girls at the gym that just yeah. feel more comfortable working with a, For sure. a female coach. Um, and then the other end of that, I think they just, on top of being a female, I guess that part two would just be that, I was dedicated to the sport. They know I'm a teacher, so they know I have a background in teaching, which can translate well to coaching. Uh, and when they asked, I was extremely excited because I didn't really ever see myself doing that. <laughs> yeah. Like, Me? Yeah. And I honestly <laughs> felt like really good because I'd been working really hard at the time <clears throat> as an athlete at the gym. So I was really honored that they saw that in me and they'd asked me. And then I went through my um, – training process got my hours in and by march of two years ago i was starting to coach by myself and i mean like you're a teacher so i feel like it's a pretty natural fit 
Definitely. And I think that the, some of the things that might be harder to teach, like your presence in front of a group, yeah. uh, speaking loudly and clearly, yeah. um, is something that I've done a lot of. So that came a little bit more naturally. I can tell you, though, working with adults is a lot different. Harder, right? easier, just different. I, I, I've always <clears throat> excuse me, found, found it easier to talk to kids <laughs> <laughs> and also to critique kids, yeah. right? Because they're a lot more flexible um, and things like that. And so I think that there is a little bit like at first starting off, you knew all these athletes as friends first because you were an athlete as well. Yep. And so shifting into that coaching role and feeling comfortable and confident in what you've learned to be able to then critique and um, give them advice on their form uh, was a little bit different. And it was nerve wracking at first. Uh, but with practice, it's just gotten easier. <laughs> yeah, here's what's funny. So kids are like raised i was gonna say trained but that's not the right word raised (laughs) (laughs) to respect authority and respect who's in charge but then like you said like it it, it is easier i mean kids are can be crazy and out of control but they are easier to control because at the end of the day like they look to you as the leader Mm -hmm. and they think anything you say is like right right not all adults do that and that's what's crazy to me is like you're going home and teaching your kids this but you're not doing it yourself yeah and so like well, and then there's there's like the new athlete, which isn't everyone. I it's, mean, there's there's just you know there's everyone. always certain people who. Well, and some people get in certain habits, like a simple one: hook grip versus not hook grip, yeah. or wrapping your thumb on the rig versus not wrapping your thumb yeah. during pull ups and toes to bar. Where I will always coach to wrap your thumb. Yeah. Whether you listen to my coaching cue <laughs> or, or not. not is up to you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I know how hard that transition is too, because that was something I had to reteach mm-hmm. myself as well. Yeah. It's like it was three months of just yeah, yeah. uncomfortable mm-hmm. toast of art. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I get that. Um, but also that with that new athlete, it's like how much do you coach? Like before stepping back and letting yeah. them, you know, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, you don't want them one. to be discouraged. Yeah. Um, because you also don't want to throw like a thousand things yeah. at once. And so I think, I, or any, but you also, I feel bad sometimes, I guess, dumbing down the workout sometimes, you know, yeah. and like, but you can't because you're trying to look, teach them to move correctly. Yeah. And if you let things slide at the, the, the you know, that base level or that beginning, yeah. then you're going to have to reteach three months yeah. down the road when they think they're doing it correct. And then you're like, you're not. Yeah. I also think you have to kind of put yourself in that situation of like when you first started or just something that you kind of suck at. Like, how do you feel when someone gives you a thousand things to work on? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, not everyone's the same, but generally you kind of your head starts to spin a little bit and you get a little discouraged. Mm -hmm. And so much. So you have to start at a level one. Like, where is their biggest air? You know, is it their heels? And the other good thing you said, like about the kids is they don't really have those habits yet. So you're kind of like. You can, as long as you can just train them to move well, all, like the hardest thing is to get kids to buy into like, if you can move well, like all this stuff that you want to do, like heavier weights, like will come and it'll be way easier mm-hmm. versus like you squatting terribly now <laughs> and then just trying to, you do a bunch of weight and then when yeah. you're whatever, you're just broken. <laughs> well, and it, I mean, you have to, as a CrossFit gym, you have to, as me as a coach, not being able to do some mo- movements, you got to drop your pride at the door. Like, yeah. Like, that has no place in the gym. And I find myself, I've found myself in times where I'm like, cool, Kelly, like, just like, you know, that toast of our frustrate the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. And so I would have been an athlete who does singles one at a time. Well, 
it wasn't until like last year where I was like, I'm never going to get my toes to fire if I keep doing singles. Yeah. Like you have to start with knee raises and then nose to, um, knees to knit, whatever, toes to knees, and then you're going to get your toes to fire. It's just, got to leave it, the pride out. Yeah, and you also, like you said, you have to be willing to get uncomfortable to get great at something or to get good at something. Because yeah. like you said, if you're going to do singles or your toes to bar, you could do that for the rest of your life, but you might never do two. <laughs> <You know? laughs> never, right? And so. Um, and two might seem like 100 when you're doing singles, you know? Like it could be that big of a task or that big of a number. It does. So it just takes a lot of practice and being okay not being good at everything, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a big thing with coaches too because I feel like coaches – I mean, you should try your best to move the best and do the best that you can. But I feel like coaches sometimes get the impression that they should be one of the best people, best athletes in the room, which I don't think is true at all. What do you think? A hundred percent agree <laughs> with that, especially because of the situation. You know, yeah. <laughs> like <clears throat> I always make jokes when Chris is there, like if we're coaching together or co-coaching, because there was lots more of that when we had larger teens classes. Yeah. <clears throat> And I was like, you know, that whole Instagram versus reality. Like, mm -hmm. Chris is the yeah. Instagram coach. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the reality coach. Like, here's what it looks like in real life. Yeah. And and that's fine. Like, I I know my gymnastics doesn't look as pretty as uh, Chris's does. But I think that it means a lot more. Not a lot more. But, like, when people see me working on them and the fact that I can't do them, it shows vulnerability. And it shows them that, like, hey, like, Coach Kelly can't do everything yet. You know, and she's going to eventually get there. And, you know, I'm still working on those movements and they're slowly getting better. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you're in a position of you're in a position of leadership and a lot of people look up to you, whether you like know it or not. So I think as a coach, you just should really strive to be like the smartest athlete in the room. The one who's going to the first one to scale when they know that like their form is going to break down if they do the weight mm -hmm. or the first one, you know. Yeah. Just to skip, the last you know. one to finish. Yeah, like, like that's another that that's big okay. thing. That's okay. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like this is a big thing for coaches. A lot of times let their pride and ego kind of get in the way and they feel like because they're the coach, they people think and expect that they should be the best athlete. Well, and in the two years that I've coached, like my journey has not like a fitness has not been a straight line. Like I've no. gone, I, mm -hmm. I, you know. I was really motivated right after getting certified and then like summer came so I was going on lots of trips so like there's just a natural like roller coaster of your fitness level and so it was hard coming back from those trips and not being where I was before the trips yeah and that that was probably one of the hardest excuse me <clears throat> the hardest times because like you know you were fitter and so like as a coach you don't want to be losing in fitness but you just got to get back at it you can keep grinding yeah so talk about that a little bit. When you first started going through that, where you'd go on a trip and you feel like you'd lose something when you came back, how did that affect you? And has like your mindset towards that gotten better? And have you become more okay with those little setbacks as you've gone? For sure. I think that... Because so, it is hard. Well, and uh, I'll be honest and like just frank. So like it was, what was it? I don't know the year, but it was, it was January. And at the gym, we did the um, Lurong Challenge. And that was the point in my, it was 27, 2018 of January, and I was not in shape. Like, it was the year after college, so it was four years of not doing CrossFit. Um, and I was at CrossFit, but I wasn't really living the CrossFit lifestyle outside of CrossFit, eating 
so unhealthy, just like, you know, like, like not really caring, like all those things. I looked awful. (laughs) So we did this challenge and I was like ready to kind of, it was right after the new year and coach Craig was really there to motivate us all. And so I stuck to that diet with a hundred percent, like no cheat days, nothing, you know, I meal prepped, I made their food every day and I ended up losing 30 pounds. like it was great but when i look back at that time like that was my life it was crossfit and it was dieting and it was paying attention to what i was eating and i wasn't happy right like i was like constantly thinking about that and which is why it made going on trips so hard like i would go on trips and i i have to go find a crossfit gym i have to go work out like and i wasn't enjoying those small moments if you go on vacation you should enjoy your time on vacation. Now, I, I'd still probably go to a CrossFit gym on vacation yeah. for fun. Like, yeah, I enjoy yeah. CrossFit that much. <laughs> um, but it was the mindset that I had to make sure that I wasn't, like, losing this, um, my my fitness. And this was a time when I was dating a boy in Australia. And so I was for four months or four weeks in Australia, so an entire month. And he would be getting frustrated with me as well because, like, here we are. We haven't seen each other in six months. And I'm like, no, I got to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, I got to yeah. go to the CrossFit yeah, yeah. gym. <laughs> um, and so coming back from that, uh, I was really upset with myself. Fast forward now where we just finished the um, RP challenge at the gym. And I wasn't 100% compliant. I was 90% compi- compliant. But I'm, it was sustainable. I did that for 12 weeks, and I'm still able to do maintenance, and I feel fine. Like, And I let myself on the weekends go to family dinners. And if my Aunt Kathy made pasta Alfredo, I had a reasonable portion of pasta Alfredo, yeah. and I felt fine the next day. So there's been a huge change in that mindset um, about kind of letting yourself enjoy those things that you've earned, right? Um, and that's made it getting back on track afterwards easier. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's huge because I feel like, I mean, I've been there too where you just, you're just all into it and like the littlest setbacks will like get you out really of it. Really get you, yeah. Get you out of it. And so then and you. And it's more mental than anything. It's more mental. So it's like where I was at the beginning of that January journey, I, I've been back at that weight. Like, like, like that's how I fluctuate. Like, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I've always been like that. So it's not about, I, and I'm still learning. I'm probably still like, yeah. Like ask me in three yeah. months from now. I could be, in <laughs> but I feel a lot better coming out of my most recent cut with CrossFit through RP than I have before because I've let myself kind of enjoy other things and I'm maintaining the work I put in. You know. Yeah, and I would agree. I think I think definitely I think I've been a lot more serious before, but I'm kind of like you're learning to relax. People are gonna listen and laugh and say it's not true. That I haven't relaxed. But, I mean, you just kind of <laughs> like learn. Do you still like, write everything in your yeah, notes? Yeah, <laughs> everything's written down. But well, I just mean fine. like, yeah. But I just mean like, like I'm, you're. I'm learning more that a week. If you go away for a week, five days a week, whatever. Like, if you did nothing and ate terribly, like in the grand scheme of things, it still wouldn't have that big of an impact. It's more right? in your it's, head than anything. And it's a hundred percent about getting back then afterwards. Yeah. And if you don't let yourself get back, that's when you start seeing the negative impact. Exactly. It's like, I stepped on the scale after like Thanksgiving, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, this was the worst. Yeah. And I was like one pound up. I was like, <laughs> and then I felt even more motivated to jump back into my maintenance yeah. plan. I'm like, perfect. Like, yeah. <laughs> but if I was like five pounds up, I could see in my head being like, oh, and then you start I'm to done. like, and you start done. to think that you're like starting over. And yeah. it's like, no, you're not starting over. You're still like on yeah. the path the way you want to go. Exactly. 
you know, it's never going to be, like we said, it's never going to be a straight line, like you said. Yeah, so that that that's big, I think. So do you do you enjoy coaching teens classes more than like regular adult classes? Yes, and I think it goes back to that like authority thing. Yeah, like yeah. The teens are really receptive to feedback. Um, I feel more comfortable, and and I I like goofing around with them. You know, I think some adults classes like you throw out a joke and they'll kind of just like look at you. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Um, and teens like again like they look up to you, so you're there as a role model they're receptive to your feedback and yeah, they they enjoy coming into the gym every day and seeing you and so i yeah. enjoy seeing them too so outside of anything you teach them cross related or physically is there anything you would like that the kids would take away from you as a person uh, definitely <laughs> i i don't know <laughs> i think that and you you touched on this like i guess this is within crossfit but it can be taken outside of a CrossFit. The idea that it's okay to be uncomfortable with things, like uncomfortable in life, like not just uncomfortable in the gym, like pushing yourself to being uncomfortable is about taking risks, right? Yeah. So in the gym, you push yourself to be uncomfortable within a workout, but outside of the gym, you push yourself into, you know, there's your safety zone or your comfort zone, <laughs> yeah. right? Your growth zone. Yep. And then here's your panic zone. You always want to be in that panic zone or that growth zone. You, Pan- you don't want to be in the panic, <laughs> panic zone. And, and that's on the brink sometimes of the panic zone. Yeah. So like teaching the kids that it's okay like that. And, and then also you hear a lot of conversations that they have. And so like I don't, you know, there was a big conversation about like cheating the other day uh, about how they were, it was during the hybrid mode. They were like, they didn't, they didn't want to go to school because it was easier to cheat from home. Yeah. Right. And and so like taking an opportunity like that is especially as a teacher to try to like reinforce why that's not okay and how that doesn't actually help them in any way. Like there's a huge, huge lifestyle of cheating on tests right now that we just need to. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Like they, they had the opportunity to take the test in school with classmates where they could be with friends and they opted to take it at home to cheat. So I got I that was probably the most frustrated I ever got at it. group of teens before but i used it as a teaching opportunity like you know you can't do that and you give them practical examples of how that's going to impact them later um how that habit's bad and do you think they listen to you every every once in a while (laughs) you know i think they might you know in that moment they might feel a little bit embarrassed that they were called out right so they might roll it off you know shrug it off and things like that but I think of the times when I was called out for my little my BS when I was younger and I might not have acted grateful in the moment or made it seem like it was worthwhile but I thought of it constantly afterwards yeah so like that's how I like to think that these situations are going down yeah so now looking ahead what are some goals for the future in CrossFit outside of CrossFit whatever you got get back to school yeah i mean get back to school but i think that i guess a goal would be to to continue to do my best right now with the circumstances or the hand i have dealt like what's in my control right now when it comes to covid and teaching not much yeah and so uh, that was a a mindset that i needed to change within the school year even because like i said i always thought we were going to be going back so it was very negative at the beginning of the year but realizing that i'm truly a pawn in this situation right and so my 21 kids need need to have the best day every single time they come with me. So that's one goal. And then looking at kind of like 
the CrossFit standpoint, I, I it's, this is a far out goal, but it's something I'll need to start in January. I Murph this year. What Murph, about? Murph sucks, right? Like it's yeah. just a workout that sucks, and yeah, it sucks for me. I feel like because I just am not. Um, those aren't my strengths. Those movements, running, push ups, pull ups, and so no matter what, I'll do that workout and it will suck. But I kind of told myself a while back that this is the year that I would love to do Murph and make it suck because I'm pushing the intensity okay. rather than struggling at the movements. And so I, I found myself a plan, you know, a little eight week training plan. And I know that's far off, but it's something that's still pinned up on my fridge, you know, like, and I, and I'm trying to make sure I keep up my running through the winter, at least like two or three miles a week, you know, just yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm keeping up my running game. It's not ever going to be too strong, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be better. It's getting better. Yeah, it's getting better. And it will for sure be better in May if I can just keep running miles. So that's a really big goal for me because I think it's something that, like, I love, I, I love wheelhouse workouts, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's anything with a barbell, rowing, bike, like, give yep, it to me. Yep. Murph, tough guy. Those are just yeah. not wheelhouse workouts for me. And so I, I'd love to be able to make a workout suck because I'm able that's not a wheelhouse workout because I've trained for it and I've pushed, I'm pushing the intensity rather than just like sucking at the movements. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I don't have a time goal or anything. Yeah. I don't just, need that. I yeah. just, I just want it to suck in a different way than it usually sucks. That's a good goal. I like that. That's different than, cause most people would be like, Oh, I want to like PR and I want to do, well, I don't know things. what that time's going to be. I would assume, or I'd hope I'd PR. And yeah. I, in the sub 50 yeah, <laughs> or above 50 awesome. like yeah. but just just that that workout's supposed to suck because it's dedicated to mm-hmm. um soldiers and you know lives that we've lost and so i just wanted to suck differently yeah. that's like literally been the phrase i've told myself over again yeah no i think that's super cool that's and yeah like i said it's a lot different than like what other people would go for so that's and it's cool. working on your weaknesses too so yeah we'll for see. sure it, it seems manageable yeah you can do it thanks you get <laughs> Thanks. Just check in on me in like March because that's when I'll have to start. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll check back in. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, Kelly. Well, thanks a lot for making time and joining me today. Well, thank you. I'm super excited and uh, I love listening. So. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you later. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Up Before You podcast. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day. Yeah.